welcome back to the JARCAST. I'm your host, Sally Berry. And I'm Boyd Balsley. Today we have lower school principal, Dr. Han with us. Dr. Han, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Did you grow up in Georgia or Atlanta? Nope. I was actually born in Korea. Came to the States when I was 10. Lived in Oklahoma most of my life. Went to undergrad um, and got my first master's while in Oklahoma. Then I moved to Georgia in 2008, and I've been here since. What was the biggest change from Korea to America that you noticed? Um, I think there are obviously some cultural differences, right? Um, in Korea, I think like things like respect for elders, the school environment, things like that are, are very different. Uh, I recently shared a story with some of my students about how I actually learned double-digit multiplication in when I was in second grade in Korea, where um, this teacher gave us a 10-question quiz, and uh, for every question that you got wrong, um, the teacher made us uh, come up to the front of the classroom and get paddled 10 times per question, and I got nine of those questions wrong, <laughs> hence 90 uh, spankings, I guess, in front of all my classmates. Um, and you would never get that here in America, right? And uh, I think the, uh, the, the difficulty level of, of, of like school and education in general was, was a bit different, right? Um, but I would say, yeah, I'd say it's a few of those cultural differences are the, the biggest differences. Do you miss living in South Korea at all? Um, yeah, because I have um, my most immediate family there. My parents are, are both in Korea. My, my wife's side of the family are all there. So uh, we try to go there uh, every summer. Um, but yeah, I do miss, uh, it's a lot more fast paced than living in America and I, I do enjoy that. So, Have you brought any of the academic things that you learned there other than the paddling <laughs> to ACA? Not really, but I, I do like I guess in my broader like educational philosophy, I do think that challenging students um, is a good thing, mm -hmm. and um, that I think that there is a uh, needs to be a balance between the kind of challenge and support that you offer to students in a classroom, and um, I'm a big fan of like even if it's above their grade level, um, and I think that's one of the reasons why I love ACA so much. And particularly in the upper school, you guys know that like we do challenge you guys. You guys are reading very difficult texts. Um, I think not only does that teach perseverance and, and those virtues, but it also like it gives you guys um, a, a passion and a drive to, to like want to work harder towards something um, that's obviously not easy, right? And I think um, that kind of challenge in an academic environment is a, is a good thing. Did you grow up in Seoul? Or I did, yeah. Or, well, first 10 years. And that's a pretty modern city, right? At least nowadays. Was it like that when you lived there? Man, to be honest, I don't really remember too much of my childhood in, in Korea. Just remember the, the beatings that I got in school. <laughs> um, but I think in, in terms of the modernization of Korea, it really took a turn. Um, in 2002 when South Korea hosted the uh, World Cup that's when like Korea invested so much of its resources and money in modernizing the country um, I knew the, the big difference is that like 
when I went back to Korea, I think back in 2004, um, I noticed significant differences, right? The, the subway systems were um, improved and the streets were just cleaner and they had a lot more high risers and so on and so on, right? So I think these major events um, in South Korea actually hosted the Olympics in 88. So there was a big difference between the Olympics to there and then the World Cup just made it more modernized. How long is the trip to South Korea? Um, a direct flight from Atlanta to South Korea is uh, 13 and a half hours. Um, it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So you need a, and you know, you can obviously watch movies and uh, read books and things like that, but you are, uh, yeah, just dying to, to get off the plane after a while. I'm guessing the change from living in South Korea to Oklahoma was pretty big. I mean, those are yeah yeah um and i'm you're talking about like countryside oklahoma too so it was there was a a big difference in that but like i said i think the the, the culture shock for me was you know like coming from a country where you know like the respect for elders and so on and so on like the first thing that i remember when i came to oklahoma was going to a walmart right and you know how you're meted uh, you're greeted by a greeter in walmart and that greeter happened to be like an old grandpa, right? Very old, like probably in his 70s or 80s. And I was just shocked. I was shocked that, man, like there is a this old gentleman um, working and like greeting people um, in front of the store. Like you would never see that in Korea, right? Because I think you have this kind of a sense of burden to care for your, your parents and your elders where, you know, that when you are able to, to make your own living and stuff like that, you are supposed to financially take care of the elders or the, your elderly. So when I saw that the first time, I was just kind of culturally shocked. Yeah, I mean, it's something I wouldn't even really think about. Like if I saw an older yeah. person, you know, just how it is kind of in America right. more often. Right, and not to say that it's wrong or some any one of these countries is right or wrong, but it was just a, a, a difference, so. Were you taught English from like kindergarten or? No, um, so it, it's a funny story. So it, I don't know if the ACA community knows this or not, but I started here at ACA nine years ago as the ESOL coordinator, right? Because my background is in ESOL. That's where I got my, my second master's was, it was in that. But uh, I came to the United States, like I said, as a 10 year old and I knew three English words. Uh, yes, no, and cat. I don't know how cat got in there, but that was it, right? So uh, anything you said is either one of those three words. Um, but then I was so fortunate to have an ESOL teacher um, in my third grade year who just really, like, not only, like, loved me as a person, uh, but was really um, invested in my learning of English. So um, I was an ESOL student myself for, I think, a year and a half, um, and that's all it took for me to learn English, so, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty, very different language from Korean, so to be able to learn that year and a half is... Yeah, um, and I think uh, a lot of these um, English, second language kind of theorists say that, um, you know, when you're younger, it's, it's a lot easier to pick up a, a new language. So, um, you know, I had, like, cousins and and you know family members in Oklahoma who only knew how to speak English so like I was like totally immersed in the English language so I had no choice so therefore 
um, I was able to pick it up pretty quickly. And as I mentioned, I had a, an excellent teacher who taught me well. And yeah. Where did you go to college? All right, so I went to my bachelor's at the University of Oklahoma, where I studied aerospace engineering. And then, you know, I just had a, it just kind of like life experiences um, kind of allowed me to kind of shift from being an engineer um, to the field of education. And I got my uh, Master's of Divinity at Southwestern Baptist Seminary in Fort Worth. And then I came to Georgia and got my, my, my master's in teaching at Georgia State. And then I wrapped up my doctorate at the University of New England. What made you want to get into aerospace engineering? Oh, that's a great question. It's actually kind of a, I don't know, kind of a sad sob story. <laughs> but when I was uh, 12 years old, there was a fireworks show. So we lived like right next to the army base in Oklahoma. And the, the military base put on a crazy like fireworks display. And I still remember this like it was yesterday. But um, during that time, uh, my parents were going through a divorce. And as much as a, you know, a fifth grader or 12 year old can kind of internalize that and just, you know, accept it, right? I think I was having a, a difficult time. And I remember that like so I was, we watched this fireworks show so we were on our roof and we saw the fireworks show and I remember standing uh, just kind of sitting on my roof for after the fireworks show was over and I was just like man I just want to make a, a, a spaceship and just escape from here right I remember like saying that and um, as a 12 year old because of all the I guess the the pain that I was kind of experiencing and said yeah I, I want to get in this spaceship and get away from this planet and that's just what from that moment i just uh you know went to my at that time we didn't have internet so went to my uh, encyclopedia britannica and opened that up and just saw what are different ways to become a um like an astronaut and in aerospace engineering was the was one of the uh, the positions or occupations so i said okay that's what i'm gonna do and it just stuck with me it had nothing to do with like I, I wasn't into rockets or anything like that. It was just a you know a twelve year old thinking of something really stupid on the Fourth of July one day, and it became a reality. What was something that you worked on in aerospace engineering that you're really proud of? So my I guess field was in uh, rocket propulsion. So th this kind of the engine, right? So we. So after I graduated, I, I was fortunate to be able to work alongside my, um, my capstone professor who had started a company called TGV Rockets. And um, I worked there for, for his company for two years, just kind of in that kind of the conceptual design phase of rocket propulsions. And we had anything from like military contracts with like missile designs and, and you know, the whole gamut of rockets and rocketry um, but I would say one of the coolest things that that you get to do as an as an aerospace engineering major is a like a wind tunnel lab you typically do this in aerodynamics in your junior year um, where you actually go into this lab and it just blows like 100 mile per hour winds inside this lab and it tests your um, you know your wing design and, and things like that and I just I really love that class were these wings for like airplanes yeah. or yeah oh. yeah 
So um, it all depends on uh, like just the even like a slight angle shift can can determine whether or not like um, this particular wing design is going to save you fuel or like you know like there's so much so many variables that go into um, that study where I just found found it to be so fascinating. How long did were you an engineer for? Um, I was a like, professional licensed engineer for about two years. And then, yeah, my, a lot of people know this side of my story, but, um, you know, like I kind of had a, um, I guess, a, a, a spiritual experience when I was a, a freshman in, in college. And, and I, one of the things that kind of resulted in that was um, I, I went to on a lot of like overseas mission trips, right, um, in college, like every summer, every winter, like, I went overseas, um, went to China, India, Lithuania, like Kazakhstan, you name, like I've, I've been there. Um, but then like after I graduated college and started working as an engineer, um, I, I had an opportunity to go to India, um, where Calcutta, India, where I had the, the, the pleasure, I think, of, of seeing um, a, a need right it was a pleasure for me because like it, it opened my eyes to to my life having more purpose and meaning right so I saw that there was a need for um, schools and, and just education in general for um, these displaced and very um, destitute children and um, kind of felt that like that's that's like my life's calling to, to be able to like start schools in these third world countries and so when I came back um, that was already kind of into my second year of, of being an engineer, but I kind of decided that nah, that's not what I want to do for the rest of my life. So kind of, uh, I guess, pivoted and went towards a different direction of like wanting to uh, become a missionary and start schools overseas. And that's when you got your master's in divinity? Right. right. Did, did you ever work in the church? I did, time? yeah. I was a youth pastor um, while I was kind of putting myself through seminary. Um, I was a, a, a youth minister at a pretty small Korean church in Oklahoma. I loved it. And that's when I knew, like, man, I, I love working with, with students and working with kids. Because, you know, there's just something about, um, I guess, their, their, their innocence and, like, their purity and, like, you know, and also their passion, right? There's, like, something about young kids that um, there's a fire inside of them. And I just love being able to kind of tap into that and help them to realize their potential and and allow them to kind of reach their dreams and yeah, it's very exciting what would you typically do on the mission trips were they all the same oh uh, they were not um so i had a a wider range so when i went to um for instance like nicaragua one year um, we partnered with uh, an organization called like Doctors Without Borders. So it was like a strictly like we're going to help out the doctors with medical stuff, right? Um, and then when we went to um, like Kenya one year, uh, we were just exclusively focused on like providing mosquito nets to the communities and things like that. Um, and then I guess one of the more um, like student-oriented or children-oriented mis uh, mission trips were like to Lithuania or India where we partnered with like local churches and and groups to do like you know kids kid camps and you know VBS I don't know if you guys are familiar mm -hmm. with Vacation Bible School but yeah things like that and, and having fun with them and um, so it was a, a wide range but but I would say that I got the most joy out of doing um, 
ministry or work around you know children. Did you grow up Christian or was it? No, that's when I said like oh, when okay, I was a freshman in, in college. Yeah, that's, that's when, when you I realized. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and it was I. I Still remember, like as y'all said, like it was my girlfriend at that time. I hope my wife doesn't listen to this uh, podcast. <laughs> but at the time, I was dating uh, a, a a young lady who um, was just like forcing me to go to church with her, and I just really fought it. But then, yeah, one time I just kind of followed her to this uh, um, like college meeting, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was great. When did you move to Georgia? So I moved here in 2008. So that's when I finished my my Masters of Divinity, and um, now I was kind of um, shifting to see my work in terms of like in the field of education. Um, and I was fortunate to have a, a old church member who moved to the Atlanta area who's trying to start a school in this um, in Swanee. So that's North Atlanta. Um, and I thought that this would be a great opportunity for me to kind of get my feet wet in like learning the ins and outs of starting a school. So yeah, hence I, I moved here and the rest is history. Did you work at that school for a little bit? I did. Right. Um, and I, I only like worked to the extent of getting it launched, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then it was like right around that time where I was kind of also doing um, like English as a second language teaching in, in different universities and stuff. Um, and then in 2014, um, to the end of 2014 or so, beginning of 2015, um, I saw a job posting of a school called Atlanta Classical Academy. And at first, um, because I did not know what classical education was, I thought it was a school where kids did classical music. So I was like, but they're looking for an ESOL teacher. I'm like, what the heck? So maybe they got like, you know, students from all over the world to come here and play classical music together or whatever. So uh, I said, yeah, I applied. Um, and then the principal at the time, Dr. Moore, um, gave me a call because he was so intrigued by how a former aerospace engineer, youth pastor, and now ESOL teacher was you know wanting to be in education and he was so intrigued by that so he called me and i think we had like an hour and a half an hour long like conversation and yeah that was it and i came in 2015 as a esl coordinator and i've been here ever since and do you think classical education is really shaped the way that you view education or being here at this class yeah um you know and, and i think I don't think at it, back in 2015 when I first started, I could have articulated to you guys like what my ideal picture of what an education should entail. But my experience here at ACA, I mean, the first even year, I, I noticed something that was very different, right? Um, everything from, you know, like the order of the classrooms to, um, I was blown away that you go to a middle school hallway with lockers that don't have locks on them. Like, right? That's, it's unreal to, to think that a school like that can exist. Um, but then as I started to just really um, dive into what our school's priorities and our mission, and the, the, the idea of um, instilling to the next generation 
of what is true, good, and beautiful, and helping them to to really pursue after those things. I quickly realized, like, yeah, that's what education should be about, right? Because I I think I kind of come from the line of of education um, that. You know, you take as many AP classes as you can, so that you can land a job that you want, so that you can, you know, be skilled in a particular area, right? But there has to be more to life than that,、mm-hmm. right? Because what whatever those things are, those are like jobs and and those,、um, I guess, avenues. They can all be taken away from you in in any moment, right?、Um, the things that we we like devote our lives to. Um, whether it's our our high paying job or a, a nice house, those are all good things. But if you really think about it, those are all things that are kind of fading away, meaning that those things can can be all taken away in a moment's notice. But the thing that can't be taken away, right? No one can steal this. Is your character, your 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 personhood, right? Your virtue and your knowledge. Those are things that will last forever, and that can. Also have an impact on the next generation, right? So, as I started to to internalize and think about those things, I realized like, yeah, this this is it. Like, this should be the kind of education that's offered for all students. Is there any traditions at ACA that you love and want to keep? Wow! Oh man, there's so many. I happen to read to our K through two students、um, every morning in the gym, right? So. And at the end of my time with them, as they're getting ready to go to class, you know, there's something wonderful and magical about the fact that like every student at ACA pauses to do the Pledge of Allegiance and do the school's pledge, right? I think that's wonderful. I think that's so beautiful that every morning that every student and every teacher makes a promise, essentially, right? You're you're giving an oath that. You're going to learn the true and do the good and love the beautiful, and that kind of gets us in the right mindset and the, to 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 start the day. And you're promising your not only to yourself but to those around us that this is the most important thing in our school. This is the most important thing as a community. Let's do this together. And I think that's a, a tradition that hopefully is even when I'm long gone that we will. Always do that. We will give a you know honor and respect to the flag and and what that represents, and to thank all the 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 people who sacrificed to give us that freedom, and also the promise that we make to one another about our school's priorities. Now this is definitely a change in subject, but you're a really big Dodgers fan, right? Oh, I believe blue, folks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How do you get into that? Hmm, it's a great question.、Um, so when I came to the states, I, I was very, you know, active.、Um, I did everything from karate. I, I'm a black belt in karate, by the way. So <laughs> be careful, guys.、Um, uh, but also, like, I got into baseball, right? And I played baseball, you know, middle,、uh, elementary, middle school, high school.、Um, but in the mid '90s, so that's when I went to high school.、Um, there was a a Korean bas-、uh, baseball player,、uh, professional baseball player, who 
really kind of paved the way for all future Korean baseball players. His name was Chan Ho Park. He played for the Dodgers. And because I was such a huge fan of this player, by default, you know, he was he was a Dodger. So I just fell in love with the Dodgers, you know. They weren't that good back then, but still, you know, that's my favorite player to play for. And, and I just kind of kept up with him ever since. And, you know, I guess that's kind of like my... My vice. I don't know. I, I love watching baseball. As you guys know, I'm the, uh, the baseball coach here at ACA. And I just think that baseball is such a, uh, a cool sport, right? Um, like no other sport can you say that you can fail seven out of ten times and you can still be considered a, a Hall of Famer. Um, but that, because that, I think the, the, in life in general, like you need to learn how to fail in order to succeed, and like baseball is just such a perfect sport to kind of teach that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Did your fandom change a little when you moved to Atlanta? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so there is a, um, a a nice little rivalry that that exists here in the the lower school building uh, here at ACA. There's a lot of trash talking that happens uh, all throughout the season, particularly in the in the playoffs. But definitely when uh, the Dodgers come to to Atlanta to play like three games in the season, like I'm there, and you know, like I'm the only like guy in the Dodgers uniform in the sea of of Braves fans doing their ridiculous chant, right? So, yeah. What do you think about Freddie Freeman joining the Dodgers? Yeah, um, so I, I am a, a huge Freddie Freeman fan. I actually, the first thing that happened when he um, came over was I bought a Freddie Freeman jersey. So I, I love rubbing that in in the face of <laughs> Braves fans all over the place, it was, yes. It was the year after we beat you on the World Series too, right? Or was it two years? Um, I try to, I tried to forget <laughs> that, yes. <laughs> yes, it was the year after. Well, yeah. did that. I know. <laughs> did you go to the Braves parade? I did not. No, I. That would be uh, <laughs> blasphemous. <laughs> um, no, but I did enjoy the day off for, for uh, from school. That I we forgot we had a day off. Yeah. Right. And we didn't get a day off when the Dodgers won in 2020. <laughs> so I should have taken the day off, you know, but I didn't. <laughs> Neither of us had a good postseason this year. I know, I know. Did you meet your wife in Atlanta or Oklahoma? No, we. I met my wife actually in Korea. Um, so we we had some like ch- church people connections, um, and uh, yes. So that that doesn't mean that it was an arranged marriage. <laughs> um, and then you know, like we kind of spoke over the phone for about almost like two years. Um, and then I knew, like, you know, she was the one. Um, kind of a funny story. So when I started speaking to, to my wife, um, the female faculty uh, was obviously kind of intrigued by, you know, Mr. Han at the time, like, uh, you know, speaking to this woman uh, in Korea, and then I, he was planning to propose. Um, and, you know, like, I didn't know anything about what kind of engagement ring and then all that stuff so i actually had like former teachers go out with me to to buy the ring together and um and we went to a hillsdale conference in 2016 uh, that's when i proposed to my wife and i was kind of like um i guess 
acting out the scenario, right, and kind of getting women's approval. Hey, what do you think about this proposal? <laughs> and uh, and all the the female faculty members approved. So um, it was successful. <laughs> she said yes. So <laughs> and she she plays piano for. She course. does, yeah. So she's been the um, the accompanist here for the past five years. Yeah. So that is uh, he. She um, plays alongside, as you guys know, Mr. Franklin um, and his wonderful choir, and um, she she loves playing. She's been playing since I think she was five years old, um, and my wife is uh, extremely gifted in the piano. She is a, a, a musical freak, I, I like to say, but uh, very talented, and, and she loves playing and serving our school. So. Do you have any musical talent? Um, I wouldn't go as far as saying talent. I can play the guitar, but it's, uh, yeah, very novice at best. But I, but I enjoy um, playing with um, with my wife, and she and I actually are on kind of a our praise team together at our church. So you know, I'll lead worship at our church, and um, she plays alongside me. So, well, what ring did you end up getting her? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Uh, so we went with a princess cut. Um, so there's, I, I, I forget, there's like, so ladies, uh, you should know that there, there are like the four C's that you need to consider, right? The carrots, cut, clarity, and something else. But anyways, but, um, you know, at that time I was, you know, buying a ring from a teacher's salary. Uh, so it wasn't the best, but hey, she, she was happy with it. Well, I think we're going to have to end it here. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay. <laughs>